now that we're five, almost six years into the business, I've been starting to say no to more things because our focus is client care. so many questions and no one to ask so they're just wasting away on google searches you'll forget about in an hour or so we had that same problem and that's why we created the rd to be podcast a resource for dietetic and nutrition students looking for answers that their peers don't have we are students macy and emily and registered dietitian carl barnes we engage in conversations and learn from rds join us weekly as we gain insight into the unique journeys of registered dietitians all over the country Hi everybody, my name is Ashley Oswald and I founded Oswald Digestive Clinic in 2016 where we help people to improve and often eliminate bothersome gut issues like gas, bloating, diarrhea, and or constipation. So I've been a dietitian for, what is it, almost 10 years now and working in the you know space for longer than that, you know, during college when I was doing my undergrad um, an internship work. So I'm excited to be able to talk to Emily today and hopefully provide some um, tips of the tips and tools that can help you on your journey to becoming a dietitian and going through your career. Great. Thank you so much. So I noticed like when we were talking, going back and forth, that you had a strong clinical background. So how do you think that your internship and your undergrad program helped you prepare for the clinical experiences that you've had? Yeah, there, this is two parts. The first one I'd say it gave me a really good kind of big picture view. And I specifically chose um, or rated the Brigham Women's Hospital internship as my top internship because it had a lot of different rotations. So I would learn at least a little bit in all these different areas, which at the time I felt was really important for me because A, I wasn't quite sure where I wanted to niche down. And B, because I felt like it was important for me to have at least a little bit of understanding in all these areas so that as I grew in my career, you know, you don't know what you don't know. So then I would better understand, you know, where can I refer or what is it about this area that, you know, I could connect somebody with. And then the second part is the networking piece and just meeting a lot of others and that's probably the number one advice I give for students is to make sure to network and find some mentors. And we all have to just support ourselves through this journey. And I think if we wanna provide the best client and patient care possible, it's really important that we have colleagues that we can lean on because we can't possibly know everything ourselves, but sometimes um, the most important thing is knowing where to find information and answers to help people just feel better, right? That I think is kind of our shared mission as dietitians, helping our communities feel better. Most definitely. So I know you do a digestive clinic, you work with gut health. So for those that aren't really, you know, aware of what gut health is, would you mind just giving like a brief like overview of like what you do? Yeah, definitely. So the Hippocrates, who sometimes gets the title of uh, the um, founder of modern medicine, has once said it all starts in the gut. And as many people might know, you know, we're learning so much about gut health and we just really know the tip of the iceberg right now. But all of our food travels, you know, through the gut, 70% of the immune systems in the gut. So what we see at our clinic is if we can help people improve their gut health, 
they often will see improvement in other symptoms too, autoimmune symptoms in particular. And it's just can have such a huge impact on improvement on quality of life. So there's a survey in 2018 of 71,000 individuals that showed that 61% of um, people living in the United States had a bothersome gut issue the week prior, uh, the most common being acid reflux. And for example, with acid reflux, if someone goes into their doctor doctor and shares that they're struggling with that, it's very common for them to be put on a medication, maybe a proton pump inhibitor, which has side effects. It could lead to nutrient deficiencies. So as dietitians, um, we can, and we know tools like nutrition adjustments and lifestyle adjustments that could help somebody with that acid reflux so that they can avoid having to be put on that medication long-term and having those side effects. Great. So how did you get into gut health? Yeah, I think um, with uh, a lot of, you know, dietitians, we have our own stories, right? So my story was when I was just in sixth grade, I had severe acne, like one of the worst cases my dermatologist had seen. And that started my journey, a 10-year journey of being put on and off medications, a lot of antibiotics. Um, fast forward to when I was in college, I started struggling with gut issues. And then fast forward a little bit more on my journey of becoming a dietitian and being a dietitian, I just kept learning and learning and working to get rid of my issues. And, uh, you know, some of these issues, like with irritable bowel syndrome, people are told, you know, you're just going to have this for life and you just have to kind of deal with it and do your best managing it. But um, I didn't really accept that. I knew, you know, there's got to be like a root cause to this. Like, what's the root cause? Like, probably the antibiotics set me up to, you know, have issues and other things triggered it. So, and eventually, you know, got rid of those issues and didn't have like daily diarrhea anymore using food lifestyle. And uh, in 2016 is when I decided that I wanted to start a clinic and, and help other people. So, um, I didn't initially start with a niche of gut health. I just started with a private practice, general nutrition. And uh, within a couple of years, I niched down to gut health because I was having success with helping people there. And then also I was just seeing how significant it was and just improving their life. So from my understanding, you your clinic is more outpatient, stuff of that nature, right? So how would you compare that to going through rotations and seeing it in more of a hospital setting? What are some similarities and differences? Yeah, it is night and day because it's just totally different uh, situation. So I have a pretty strong clinical background and not only from interning at Brigham and Women's Hospital, but also I worked at another top 50 hospital in Minneapolis for a couple of years. Um, and a few years beyond that, kind of as a per diem, and even when I was starting my business, I was working there per diem. So I was a float dietitian, got to experience uh, clinical care in a lot of different settings from just general floors to intensive care units. I was a burn intensive care unit dietitian. I was placing feeding tubes. I was going to the operating room to place feeding tubes. Um, and I also was working outpatient frontal nutrition. So um, that's a pretty big foundation for my, my training and knowledge. And so with inpatient acute care, it's 
acute issues that we're trying to improve and get the person to feel better so that they don't have to be in the hospital. And so some of these chronic issues, like especially chronic gut issues, if somebody is coming in with after a house fire and they have irritable bowel syndrome, we can do as much as we can inpatient to help them with that while they recover from that burn. But the hospital usually doesn't have resources to truly, truly be able to help them. And they're usually not in a spot to be able to absorb that information either, like the lifestyle changes and the nutrition adjustments that could significantly help them. So then outpatient, and this is number one for like clinical care is trying to connect people with a good outpatient dietitian so that they can continue their journey to improving some of these chronic issues. So it's really like the acute issues versus the chronic issues. That's really interesting. Like, cause you know, some people think it's like intermingled, but it's not. Um, so yeah, that was really interesting to hear. So wait, going back, you worked at, or you interned at a women's hospital, right? It was, um, wasn't women's, it's called, it's kind of confusing. It's called Brigham and Women's Hospital. It's in Boston. Uh, so it's uh, one of the Harvard teaching hospitals and just really intensive. And I'm um, a Midwestern girl and, you know, where we have this reputation of being very nice, almost to like a, a detriment or like overly nice to where it might be a little passive aggressive. But, you know, going to Boston, it's very much uh, direct. <laughs> it was uh, very intense, but I was very grateful to um, come out of that with a pretty strong foundation. And so it was men, women, um, there's a Brigitte or Dana-Farber Cancer Institute connected where we got to internet and the Children's Hospital as well. Oh, uh, okay. I thought it, it was um, more like women focused. Okay. Nope. It was just yeah. the name. Yeah. Okay. Oh, confusing. Um, just, a little, just a little bit. So how did you get into wanting to do a private practice or creating a private practice? It's a great question. I was living out in California, working at a functional medicine clinic out there with two uh, functional medicine doctors, MDs, acupuncturists, some other staff. And I really enjoyed the care we were doing. The patients or clients were super thrilled with the care they were getting. They were getting better. They were like healing and like reversing these things like type two diabetes that, you know, earlier in my career, I was told that they would just have to be on insulin for life to manage. And so it was so exciting to me to get to see this, get to work with these providers. And then long story short, I basically went through a big breakup, had to decide if I'm going to stay in California or move back to Minnesota. I decided, you know, my community is in Minnesota. I'm going to move back there. And I didn't see any positions that I was totally thrilled with kind of transitioning to. So I felt, you know, this is a good opportunity to start my own business because I think I've always had entrepreneurship um, energy in me. And it was a you know great decision because I love it now. It's definitely a really challenging, um, like a ro emotional roller coaster, lots of ups and downs. But um, but it's really a, a good fit for my personality. That's good that you're able to you know gauge what's best for you, especially like when there aren't opportunities you're interested in building one for yourself. So um, since 2016, you have, you know, Flusa Nutrition, Functional Nutrition Dietitians, and Oswald. 
um, digestive clinic. So how are you able to create and maintain three companies in, I guess, just barely five years? Yeah, I think a part of it is just my entrepreneurship energy. <laughs> and I love it. Like when you have energy and excitement and um, for something, I feel like you can be more productive and that energy flows. And so the other part though, is that Oswald Digestive Clinic really is the focus. Um, functional nutrition dietitians, glucose nutrients that are just kind of uh, side companies, like maybe sister companies would be the right word to support the digestive clinic. So I'm not putting a lot of time into those. Um, functional nutrition dietitians, for example, that came about because after I moved back, um, with working in functional nutrition, I quickly realized like I need support here. Like I need friends in this that I can lean on because there's still a, a lot of stigma around functional nutrition. And unfortunately, our field can be divided on it. And we have dietitians who think it's totally woo and not science-based, which isn't true. So I'm like, I need to connect with these other dietitians that realize the power of functional nutrition and understand like it is science-based and what it is. And we have a huge, you know, functional nutrition clinic in Minneapolis called Penny George and some others. So it's definitely growing. So I started that. We have almost a hundred local dietitians as a part of it and licensed nutritionists. And it's been such an awesome community for support. And before COVID, we were meeting up every quarter to just chat about a different topic and to help each other um, grow and learn and ultimately, you know, be better clinicians. Definitely. So would you mind just briefly describing what functional nutrition is for people who don't really know what that is? My, uh, I have a couple nutrition interns and they just asked me this too. It's a very challenging question because I, and I don't think there's one definition, right? Mm -hmm. And I actually was working for health partners with Regions Hospital and they were working to bring some functional medicine into the health partner system. And they got hung up on defining functional medicine. Um, this team of doctors got hung up on that. And I think it's because um, there's not like one definition, but what I think of and what I think most people think of when they practice this way is root cause. Like we're trying to find the root cause of things. Like there's all these symptoms, but the symptoms aren't defining like what's going on. Like irritable bowel syndrome, right? It's a diagnosis of symptoms, but what does that mean? Like what's causing those symptoms? And so that's what we see functional nutrition as, like trying to get to the bottom of it, trying to get as upstream as possible and always weighing potential benefits to potential risks and then going from there. So actually like there's a lot of overlap between functional nutrition and just like how dietitians are trained more conventionally. And I think we see this divide in our profession, but I don't think there's as big of a divide as people realize because there's a lot of overlap still. There's a lot of like using food as medicine and you know real whole foods and uh, lifestyle changes, right? Mm -hmm. Most definitely. So you also mentioned that you were a minimalist and an essentialist. So how do you think those traits have helped you in your career? Oh, immensely. And in my life too, um, I think it's like been Kind of everything for me. So some examples for minimalism would be 
Um, something as simple as like clothing. I love hand-me-downs. Like I would get a lot of hand-me-downs and I very quickly found myself like in my mid-20s with like a giant closet. And then I would get stressed in the morning, like getting ready. I'd be going to like a networking event and it would take me like 30 minutes to pick out an outfit. I'm like, this is wild. Like I could be working on the business with this 30 minutes, but I, here I am stressing about like what shirt I'm going to wear. <laughs> um, so minimalism, I kind of got into it and really started donating a lot, selling a lot and um, brought my closet down to um, like maybe just a couple feet and all the clothes kind of go with it, each other and everything. I feel great and everything and it fits me well. And so now it takes me maybe like a minute to pick up what outfit and then the rest of that energy and time can go into like the other things that's going to matter for the business. And there's, you know, that's one example for minimalism. But there's a, you know, we could kind of have a whole hour discussing minimalism and then essentialism. There's a really great book um, called Essentialism by Greg McKesson, something like that is his last name. And I've read it maybe two, three times, like read, listened, audiobook. So I would recommend that to almost everybody. And the, the, the whole foundation of essentialism is like, choose the things that are going to make the most impact and try to shut out the noise. We're living in a society now where I see there's so much noise and people get pulled in a million directions. And I don't think they even realize it. Like, you know, how, like, if anybody has ever used TikTok, you know, and you think, oh, I'm going to go on there for five minutes and it's two hours later, which like, I feel like everybody has had that experience, myself included. I had to delete TikTok, <laughs> um, even though I learned like cool tips. So I'll still go on there. But anyway, that's kind of the premise. And when it comes to business, um, especially this year, I've been saying now that we're five, almost six years into the business, I've been starting to say no to more things because our focus is client care. We're taking insurance now. We do one-on-one -on -one care. We have a course, which actually I've been told the course can be, um, would be great for dietitians too. Um, a dietitian told me that she was super impressed. So if any of the audience is interested. Um, so we have these things and that's what I want to grow. I want to create job opportunities for dietitians for our one-on-one -on -one care. So I have to keep putting blinders up to some other things. Like I was asked to speak in a documentary, but I knew, you know, that's probably going to take a lot of energy, at least a few days of prepping. And is that really going to get us to where we want to go? Or is it just kind of like a fun side thing that we could do? So I ended up declining it because I knew, you know, if I spent those few days, like, networking and connecting more with the doctors to create referral partners like that's going to help us get to our goal of doing more and more one-on-one -on -one care creating job opportunities for dietitians and helping more clients so yeah that's what it is that's a very i don't want to say mature thought because obviously you know you've gone through everything you're let's say an adult but like you're an adult like you've matured and stuff like that but that's just such a mindset that I feel like many people just don't have and unfortunately never develop because um, so many of my peers and stuff they're all over the board 
whether that's, you know, with things that they're a part of, things that they're doing in addition to schoolwork or in lieu of schoolwork, stuff like that. And just having to sit down and be like, okay, what will get me to A? What will get me from A to B? Like, I don't want to go to A sub whatever. I just want to get straight from A to B. So that's yeah, all. and I think it's like a culture thing. Um, so it's almost like we have to push back against that, right? And like change our culture and something else I've been really into this year as well is just following my intuition. It's been like another one of those really foundational things that I'm honing more and more into. I'm realizing a lot of really successful business owners use their intuition, maybe even greater than they use all the analytics. And so it's like following that subtle energy pull and being okay and trying to override that feeling that you're going to have FOMO if you don't do everything, right? Definitely. Yeah. So how has Oswald Clinic done during the pandemic? I know it was a hard time for many people, but what was your experience with it? The pandemic. So I have an interesting pandemic story, actually. I was in Bali when it was all hitting, recovering from dengue fever, which is a virus passed by mosquitoes in Bali and was like internally bleeding. And the doctors were like, you can't fly home. I was like, but I think this is the last flight because of COVID. <laughs> so long story short, like I um, recovered, you know, my body, bodies are, bodies are so um, amazing, you know, it fought it off. And I ended up changing my flight, getting a flight to come back didn't even realize what was going on in the United States because Bali was still pretty like chill and normal-ish. And so I get up to the airport and my flight's canceled. So I was like, oh my gosh, when am I going to get home? Um, spent an hour and they found me a different route back home, come home, get back to Minneapolis and realize what's going on. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, like our business might have to pivot. We have to figure something out because like, this is, you know, people are really concerned about spending money right now. We're a cash pay practice. And so Marcy and I put our heads together and we tried some things. We tried doing group consults, which people, it didn't really work. And I think because um, there is a lot going on and people are having to start like homeschooling and just were, you know, it was too much. They didn't have the space for it. And so we um, had a pretty... Uh, we got a lot of new clients the first month because people are at home. They had a little bit more space, but then as it kept going on and on, we just had to keep being innovative, strategic, and pivoting. And so the two things that came out of the pandemic, it ended up being a little bit of a blessing in disguise for us. The first one is we created the Heal Your Gut course. Uh, and then the second thing, probably even bigger, is we started taking insurance, uh, which for our clinic at the start in 2016, it was all telemedicine. I was doing home visits at the start and then telephone calls for like follow-ups, but insurance wasn't really covering telemedicine. So with the pandemic, insurance started covering telemedicine more. And so we went through that whole process of getting contracts and now, as of, it took about six months, and as of maybe two months ago, we've been uh, billing and getting paid by insurance companies, and it's really, really fun, and it's so rewarding to be able to, you know, allow and um, offer this to our community, and we, we probably, you know, we would have had to get an in-person clinic 
prior to the pandemic to be able to do that. Definitely. So, um, but it was tough. I mean, but it's like entrepreneurship. There's always things that come up that you have to like pivot around. And it's like that saying, you know, you're kind of like a firefighter. You're always putting out fires as you're trying to like lead a company and, and create something. And so it's just like going and knowing that can be what it is. At any point during the pandemic, did you think that you were going to have to maybe expand to include more clientele, not just those who are having digestive issues to keep it afloat? Or were you guys doing well all throughout? I think that's a very interesting question because you could see it two ways. You could see it as like us niching down would get us more clients when like 61% of people are struggling with gut issues because people want to see specialists, right? And if we would have expanded to be more general, it could, sometimes it can hurt a clinic because you're too general that people don't see the value of like why they would come. They want to see like a specialist and like quote unquote expert, right? Uh, So no, it didn't cross my mind, honestly, because I think mostly because of that reason, I actually see niching down, especially if somebody has a 100% cash pay practice, which is what we were up until this year, 2021, um, as being helpful for getting clients. So with, um, you know, adding insurance, do you think that you're going to open more opportunities to having more patients? Or do you think, you know, it's pretty much going to stay, or not patients, clients, or do you think it's pretty much going to stay the same? Definitely opening up to get more clients because now the insurance companies are kind of marketing for us and sharing our information with people. We've definitely had a much bigger influx of people interested. Um, The main reason people would not come on board as a client before us taking insurance was financial. And so now um we're able to just help a lot more people and it's definitely one of those things that of course like um cash flow wise like insurance is more challenging so it's kind of less cash flow but with my goal of like growing a big clinic and creating jobs and having a lot of dietitians like it'll be completely fine to make ends meet so it's like win 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 right like the clients get to use their insurance. Often they don't even have a copay um, with doing nutrition care. And then we get to have um, more clients in our clinic and it's going to allow us to, to grow and scale. But I will say I started the process in November and it's a chaotic process credentialing with insurance. Um, I'm really glad that we went through it and we are going through it, but Um, For anybody who's considering it, I'd say definitely talk to a dietitian who's gone through it before you start the journey, because I can see how it's not for everybody. Like if somebody wants to just be like have their clinic and only them seeing clients, they just want to keep it super small. um, A lot of, not a lot, but there's definitely like friends of mine who were insurance-based and now they're getting out of it and they're just wanting to do cash-based because for them, Um, it's not worth it. It's not worth the headache of insurance. Definitely. You know, it can, it can be a great thing or it can, you know, hurt, I guess there, there's two uh, sides to that scale. 
Yeah, um, and I think like that's the cool thing about a profession. There's so many different avenues we can go in and um, it's really exciting. So for any like new dietitian coming up listening, just know like um, there's so much you can do with your degree. Most definitely. So I know you focus on gut health, but is there a specific like age range that, you know, you guys gravitate towards or, you know, women opposed to men, children, teens, young adults, adults? We see a lot of women um, and a lot of adults, but we are uh, able to see really the spectrum. So we get a good amount of referrals for children because we have experience and the ability to see pediatrics, um, which a lot of dietitians don't feel comfortable with. I worked in a pediatric practice for a while. And so that really helped. And then Marcy's um, experience with it as well. So I think our, my youngest client has been six months old, maybe five months. Like we were working with mom while she was breastfeeding. And then the oldest is maybe in their eighties. Wow. Big range. Yeah. Yeah. So it's men and women. It just happens to be like more women come into us, but we see both. Yes, most definitely. So when you have, um, you know, you were doing cash, you uh, did insurance. How did you go about wanting, uh, like, I guess, getting people to refer you, you know, like when you first started, I mean, month one, I'm sure not many people knew about your clinic, stuff like that. So how did you gain that rapport with, um, clinics, hospitals, stuff like that to be, I guess, referred to? Good question. I, at that point, had built up a bit of a reputation uh, in our area. So I had, you know, a good amount of like friends and colleagues that knew the work that I was doing and they felt confident and happy referring. So it didn't take too long for me to start getting clients. And I had uh, some uh, networking with some functional doctors and was getting clients from them. And so Ultimately, it was really just like networking and meeting people and um, trust and just like coming together as clinicians to, to help each other, help our clients. And, you know, we refer out when it's appropriate and then people refer to us when it's appropriate. Yeah, that's something we've been told network, network, network. You never know when someone's going to have an opportunity for you or be able to refer you to someone. So yeah, that's a great piece of advice. So speaking of advice, I guess to wrap up, what advice do you have for undergrads um, and those who are in their internships that are interested in, you know, dietetics in general, but more specifically in gut health? Sure. My, one of my top advices is networking, um, especially, you know, if they're interested in gut health and functional nutrition, like my one significant event in my career that really started my learning curve to happen quicker was I got a job at a functional medicine practice out in California. And then I started doing IFNA, which is an online schooling that was created by a couple of dietitians for functional medicine and kind of went from there. Um, so the job I got in California was because of networking. Um, I didn't see it posted online or anything. It's just the doctors had heard of me. They reached out and asked if I might be interested in working for them. So that I would say is number one. And then another thing is 
it comes back to like some of the things that we mentioned on in this interview is following your intuition, following that energy pull. So if there's a lot of like noise out there, like we said, and you can get pulled in a million directions, but what I think of like an example is I was doing Instagram for a business and I got to the point where I was like, why am I doing this? I actually don't even enjoy it. Like, what if I ended up getting a million like followers, but I didn't enjoy doing it, you know, then what? I'm going to be really stuck, but YouTube had always called me. So I'm like, well, if I would have listened to like that energy pull two years prior and just went the YouTube route versus the Instagram route, um, you know, we'd probably be further along there right now. So that would be a, an advice I have to, you know, new dietitians and things like when you're looking for jobs, thinking about what you're going to do, like sometimes you can only logically analyze things so much, but using that like gut feeling, right. That like energy pull to help guide you can be really, um, really effective. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking time out to talk to us today. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Emily. I was happy to. If anybody wants to reach out to me, they can feel free. I, I love chatting with up and coming dietitians and networking. <laughs>